0: Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with NM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah@gmail.com and of course, I will answer as many as I can. School is now out. Today was our last day, a great last day. I had such a fun time. We, yeah, we studied a little bit. We had to give out a lot of prizes, a lot of books, um, we gave out actually binoculars as a prize for a program that we ran that we talked about in the past where the kids have to learn a little extra and and do a little extra kindness at home. So we had some binoculars with like a phrase on it. They didn't come on time for our trip, so we, we gave them out today. It was just really a great last day. All my puppets had to say goodbye. And um, it's funny goodbye because I'm teaching in camp the same boys in a week from now. But it's camp. It won't be the same. It's not structured, which is really what the summer is all about, right? The summer, we're getting rid of our structure. As important as structure is, and we'll talk about it later, um, as important as structure is during the school year, but it's also important to have a, a chance to be unstructured. And it really follows really great with the last um, um, guest we had in the show before, where I can't just be where everything is in a box and I'm marching and I'm doing exactly as I'm supposed to do. There are times where I need to get out of that box. First of all, it's healthy for me, but it allows my brain to expand and, and see the world and, and do other stuff and see what's out there. And, and sometimes that lack of structure leads to amazing things that many children that the summer is the best for them. They finally get out of the routine and they can relax and they can, they can feel good about themselves. And it's uh, the principal likes to say all the time, well, like, we have to recharge our batteries. we gotta, we got to recharge. we got to be ready to start again. But we need that downtime. So, um, But in the last show, I wanted to tell over a story and have a chance during the, the show with my last guest, with Neil uh, Farber, who has a book about serendipity. And we talk about serendipity, and it's so interesting because if you listen carefully to everything he talks about in serendipity and noticing and paying attention and all these things that get in your way, like little – we talked, talked about like breadcrumbs, things that you're, you should open your eyes to and, and, and learn from them and use them to say, God's giving me a message. What should I do with the message Right. And he has in his book from scientists and inventors and doctors and, and all these things, it's it's almost if you really paid attention, maybe more than almost. If you really pay attention to all these happenings, you gotta realize it doesn't make sense these things just happened and uh, it led to my new job, it led to my finding my wife, it led to my children, it led to my uh, to my discovery. Well, don't you think that God is the one that's sending all those, I keep calling them breadcrumbs, so that um, you could go in the direction that God's giving you the opportunity for? So again, I told you in, in, in Hebrew, the phrase is hashkacha pratis. It means that God is not just in general overseeing the world, but even on, on, on minute and minuscule happenings, God's also involved. So it happened to be yesterday, uh, my wife also finished school, and a parent gave her a book, a new book, and it was on the couch, so of course I sat down and started reading it. I didn't actually read from the beginning, I flipped away towards the back, and I found some amazing stories. And one of them happens to be what we're talking about, serendipity. So I wanted to share the story, I thought it's an enjoyable uh, story, and a, a great lesson and if I would have had a chance, I would have told Neil the story. But Neil will just have to listen to this show to catch on to the story. So the story goes like this. There was, uh, I think his name was Reb Chaim. I think his last name was Zayd. Lived in, um, in Bnei Brak in, in Israel. And he was going to be, uh, he had to give a lecture in Jerusalem. So on his way, in his travels, he had to buy a pair of tefillin phylacteries for his son. So he went to the store, to the sofa, to the scribe, and he picked up the trillin, he paid for them. He didn't have any fancy bags to put it in. A lot of the boys, uh, you know, when they start putting on their trillin, they get beautiful bags. I just bought one for my son. I had him pick it. Of course, he picked the most expensive one, but it's beautiful. You know, if he's going to use it for 60, 70, 80 years, so for a couple pennies, it's well worth it. In any case, but he didn't have it. He had a plastic bag. So, but he was lecturing later that day in Jerusalem. So he has the bag with him. He's not going home. He takes the bag, gets on the bus, goes to Jerusalem, and he realizes he's a couple hours early for the lecture. So he goes to a a base madras, He goes to a study hall and he sits down, he studies, and he looks at his watch a few hours later and, okay, sure enough, I got to get to the lecture. I'll be right on time. And he leaves the bag behind, which is exactly what I would have done. And he completely forgets that he left the bag behind, which is also exactly what I would have done. However, I'm not sure what I would have done in the next part of the story. So, goes to the bus terminal, has to take a bus back to B'nai Brach. So he gets on the bus, looking for a seat, goes to the back, and there's a gentleman sitting in the back, and, and there's an empty seat next to him. And like all of us, we're very polite people. And he walks over and says, is this seat taken? Which is really a very rhetorical question, because there's nobody here. It's an empty seat. Of course it's not taken. I'm just being polite to ask if I could sit down. The man sitting there says, This seat is mine. I bought two seats. I need extra room. This seat is not for you. Why do you rabbis think you can get whatever you want just because you asked for it? This seat is not for you. Get lost. Whoa. Whoa. He didn't even know it hit him. But he was quiet. He didn't say a word. Okay, standing on the bus a little while later, um, at one of the stops, somebody gets off. He goes to take that empty seat. And again, he says, is this seat available? No, no. What do you think you can sit next seat for? You can't sit here. Get lost. Okay, crazy. But <laughs> twice, like, like most of us, I asked my class when I said over this story, this is not a normal reaction. Okay, goes, sits down on the steps. Again, in Israel, I don't know if they do it in American buses, but uh, I know when I was in Israel on bus rides, if there were no seats, you could sit on the steps in the back of the bus. Very not um, uncommon. Anyways, somewhere along the line, um, somebody gets on the bus, and his job is to check that everybody's paid for their tickets. Sure enough, he gets to the back of the bus, and the person who refused this Reb Chaim to give him a seat and had an extra seat empty next to him, did not pay for his seats. Oh, I didn't have any money on me. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, I'll pay for it later. So the ticket collector says, you know, have a good life. You got to get off the bus now. You, you cannot um, freeload. So, strangely enough, this Reb Chaim goes ahead and he says, I'll pay for it. Don't worry about it. I'll pay for it. And he pays for both seats. But he still doesn't go and sit down there because he already knows the guy yelled at him, doesn't want him to sit there. So he sits back down um, by the steps and he sees on the floor an MP3. Well, was MP3 players, recorders. And he says, oh, uh, let me see if I can return this. Let me listen to what the guy was listening to last. If he was by a lecture, maybe I can figure out which lecture he was by. Turns it on and sure enough, it's his speech from last week. Okay, he knows where he gave the speech, so he pulls out his phone. He calls up his friend. And he says, "You know, last week, um, some, I, I was uh, I gave a speech Wednesday night, and I have this MP3 player with my speech on it. So, if anybody came to you that they that they lost the MP3 player, I have it. Right, let me check." Sure enough, calls back a few minutes later. Yep, I found the guy. I, I found the guy who lost the MP3 player. And um, and so uh, you, you get, get me the MP3 player next week, or whenever you're around, and I'll give back to him. Beautiful. Then the guy on the phone says, by the way, once we're talking about returning lost objects, you never know, believe what happened today. I was in this and this uh, study hall, and I found a bag with phylacteries, with tefillin. And uh, how do I return it? So this Chayim says, I can't believe it. Those are my tefillin. Those are my tefillin. You found my tefillin. How can I thank you? Okay, we'll make the switch. In any case, that is serendipity, right? Look at look at all these stories. That the guy doesn't give him the seat. The other guy doesn't give him the seat. He's sitting in the back. The guy who didn't give him the seat didn't pay for the tickets. He pays for the tickets because he didn't sit in the seat. He sits on the floor because he sits on the floor. He notices the MP3 player. He listens, calls the guy who he gave the speech by, who was there, and that guy found his film. There's too many strings here. There's no happenstance, and that I hope Neil understands, and I hope that's what he's trying to teach people to pay attention. But that really becomes real Ashkacha practice. That was just a great story. But let's talk about this week's story portion. Talking normal life, right? You know, you have to decide. If uh, if normal life is what is really normal, right? I told you a story. This Neil has a whole book of stories. What we call normal maybe is not so normal. But normal life is what the Jewish people in the desert, in this week's Torah portion, the, the parish of Chukas, normal life is what the Jewish people are getting ready for. Which means they're going to leave the the life of food is supplied and water is supplied and the clouds protected them and And they didn't have to worry about anything and their clothes were cleaned and and the perfect life, but they're getting ready to go to the land of Israel. And part of going to the land of Israel means they're going to have to get ready to fight for war. They're going to be conquering the country. So it's a very beautiful phrase. It says when they fight, they would fight by the mouth of the sword. Now normally mouth of the sword just means that sharp edge. But if you think about it, The mouth of the sword is telling the Jewish people, your new normal is going to include war. But it's the mouth and the sword. You're going to have to pray. But yes, you're going to have to do physical things also. This is going to be your new normal. You're going to rely on God. God is going to take care of you. And you're going to pray to God. But you're also going to have to do stuff. Which, by the way... um, is, is is part of what happens in this week's Torah portion. What happens is, again, the Jewish people complain about the manna. It, it's not the first time, and uh, earlier time they complained, the, they got in trouble for it. And this time, these snakes, these fiery, uh, whether it was fiery snakes or real snakes, start to attack them. We go to Moses, which we do, and Moses makes that copper snake, which I guess... In doctors' offices, when you see those curly snakes, it's coming from this story. Because Moses makes this, I mean, God tells him to. right? God tells Moses, make this curly snake, or a snake, and put it on top of a pole. And if anybody gets bitten by a snake, he looks up at the snake and he's healed. So that became the sign of healing. It happens to be, one of my sons was mentioning uh, to me last night, because they were studying it, um, King um, Chiskiyo. He destroyed it, and it was because it was still working. It was even in his times; somebody was sick, and they would look at that snake, they'd be healed. So it was. It was becoming. The original idea was: you looked at the snake, and you recognized that God is running the world, and you repented or you prayed, and you were healed. But what happened was, people forgot the prayer part. They forgot the God part. They just did the looking at the snake part, and they were still healed. So Hisskio Amello says, King Hisskio says people are going to start making this into an idol. Better destroy it and lose the healing power than people starting to think that it's actually an idol. but let's just take it a step back. So what happened? Why all some of their snakes, and why were they complaining about this food and the answer is exactly what we've been talking about. The Jewish people knew we were already getting ready to go into the land of israel and once we go into the land of israel we're not going to get this food from heaven anymore we're not going to have a a free water supply from god we're not going to have these clouds to protect us we're going to have to go to war so we were starting to say okay god we're ready to start living a normal life it's time for us to live normal So God says, no problem. I tell you this all the time, right? You should be very careful what you ask for because you might actually get it. So God says, you've been traveling in a desert. (laughs) Everybody knows when you travel in a desert, you have to worry about snakes and scorpions. It's the most normal thing in the world. You've been traveling in the desert for 40 years. Never worried about a snake in your life, okay? You never worried about a snake in your life because you weren't living a normal life. Now you want to live a normal life? Excellent. Snakes come, it's the desert, it's the wilderness. There's poisonous snakes out there because you're asking and begging for the new normal. So God says, here is your new normal. But it's not completely new normal because uh, Moses will make that snake and the people will see the snake and it will heal them. That's part of their new normal. So uh, I told you before I wanted to, to get to it. So... It's true, right, that we have to put in an effort, right? And we need to be careful what we complain about because sometimes you get what you ask for. So I read my class an amazing story this week. Um, there was a boy in school, not sure which grade, and he hated school. He didn't pay attention. He didn't do his work. He, he basically spaced out the whole time. He he wished he wasn't in school And one of the teachers, I guess one of the morning teachers, must have asked the class, if you could have any wish, what would it be? And everybody had to write down what his wish was. And it was a fascinating experiment because generally speaking, people will ask for something that's in line with their nature. So one boy said, I wish there were no wars, and he was a peacemaker. And another boy said, I wish we could just go destroy all those people bothering us, and he was a fighter. And, and if I was prime minister, I would do this, or I would do that, or I'd do the other thing. And this boy says, I wish I could close all the schools. I wish there'd be no school. And the teacher wrote them all down on the board, and, and they talked about it. And later in the afternoon, a, another teacher came in, and he gave them all their papers, their assignments. They're supposed to be writing something. And as he's walking around to check, this boy, I might as well give him a name, this boy I'll call him David. So David um, doesn't do a, a stitch of work. He's not capping off the board. And the teacher noticed on the board that next to the, the uh, if I was prime minister, what would I do? Shut down all the schools. And David's name was there. So he... He sees, the, um, he, he sees the, what this David wrote, and then he is walking out of the class, and he gets to David's desk, and the paper is blank, and he is furious. He says, you're not doing any work. You're going to come to me after class. So David figures, what are you going to do to me already? I anyways don't like school, so what punishment are you going to actually give me that's going to change my life? So the teacher spoke to him, and he says, you really don't like school, do you? says, nope. He says, you know, I have a plan. Um, I have to speak to the principals. I have to speak to your parents. But I have a plan. And uh, it won't be a punishment plan. But it will help you get what you want. So um, give me a couple days. And uh, we're going to talk again after class. Sure enough, a few days later, David sits down with a teacher. And the teacher says, okay, David, I got your wish. I spoke to your parents spoke to the principals, you are going to be allowed to stay home from school. No more school for David. It's not a punishment. It's what you want. And I think it would be very good for you. And David's sitting there saying, come on, there's got to be some catch. No catch. You don't have to come to school anymore. You are free from school. No more school. But it's not a punishment. We're not throwing you out. We'll save your seat. But no school. David says, come on. That's it? Well, there's one, there's one caveat. You have to, If you choose to stay home, you cannot come back to school for one month. <laughs> I won't come back for a whole year. He says, no problem. But I need you to sign here on the dotted line that you will not come back to school for one month no matter what. He says, no problem. I'm in. Goes home mother well, doesn't say anything, but uh, she must know about it because the teacher said they all spoke about it. And um, next morning, um, everybody gets up. He gets up, but everybody's going to school. And they say, hey, David, you going to school? I'm like, no, I'm not going to school. And he goes back to his room, and he plays with some of his toys, and he plays with his Game Boy. It's an old story. And um, he plays with some papers, and... You know, he occupies himself and takes his bike and goes riding. Now, in Israel then, um, many in those schools, they actually came home for lunch. So the siblings come back, and David's not sick. Like, why aren't you going to school? And he doesn't want to tell them why. And uh, most of them go back, and late in the afternoon, he comes into the kitchen. He asks the mother if she needs any help. No, no, I don't need any help. And he goes to prayers later that evening, and he sees his friends, and his friends start talking about what happened in school, and they ask him, why, uh, why didn't you come to school? And he doesn't say why. And, uh, okay, great. Next morning, sleeps late, wakes up, goes biking, um, plays with his Game Boy, plays with some toys. But um, the day's starting to get a little boring. And he almost can't wait for lunch when his siblings will be home to talk. And they come home, they go back to school, and and lies down in bed. But what are you going to do already? It's getting a little boring. And he goes back in the afternoon, his friends again are talking, what happened in school, and what happened here, what happened there. Crazy school, crazy this. And by the third day, David already tries to sleep till 11. And he gets up to play, but he's bored. And he goes biking, and people are starting to ask, what are you doing here? Aren't you supposed to be in school? So he doesn't want to see those people. And he goes to the park, and the park is full of mothers with children. And they're all looking at him funny, like, why is this boy not in school? How come he's not in school? What's going on? So he doesn't feel comfortable going back to the park. He doesn't go meet his friends later in the evening because they're just going to harass him why he's not in school. And he has nothing to do. And he stays in his room. And he's, he's bored to tears. By the fourth day, he's going out of his mind. He goes to his mother, and he's crying. He says, I'm going crazy. I have nothing to do. I want to go back to school. So his mother says, okay, great. I'll call your teacher. I'm sure it's no problem. Calls up the teacher. The mother comes back and says, David, the teacher says you signed a contract for a month. You can't go back. He says, I can't go back. I'm going to go crazy. I'm going out of my mind. What do you mean I can't go back? I, I get the picture. I said I didn't want to go to school. I understand I'm not allowed to go to school, and, but I got the picture. I want to go back. She says he's not letting you go back. You have another three and a half weeks. He says if I do this for three and a half weeks, I will be in. I'll be in a, a, in a Looney Tunes. It's, I, I can't do it. I do to tell you. It comes the next day, and now he's he's just he's bouncing off the wall. He has nowhere to go, no one to talk to, no friends, nothing to play. He goes to his his three-year-old brother's room, and he's starting to play with his three-year-old brother's toys. His mother comes into the room and says, Dave, what are you doing? He says, I don't know. I I, I can't do this. I got to go to school. So um, the mother says, I'll call the teacher again. She calls the mother. This time she comes back in tears, and she says, he's not letting you come back. You're going to have to do this for a month. He said, you signed the paper. A deal's a deal. He said, I can't handle it. "I so said, well, you know where this teacher studies tonight, Maybe you could speak to him because to us, he's not listening. The prince was not listening. No one's listening. Maybe you go to that teacher and speak to him. So he goes to, the, um, he goes to that teacher later that night, and he's crying. And the teacher says, David, this is what you wanted. So I know I thought that's what I wanted, but I realized it was a mistake. Yeah, but, you know, David, you'll be back in school, and four days from now you'll change your mind again. You need to go through the whole process. I'm going to have to keep you home for a month. And David said, I can't do it. But teacher said, but you, don't, you, don't, you didn't get the lesson. You didn't get the lesson. So David said, I did, I did, I did. Well, then we need to discuss what the lesson was. And the teacher explains to me, says, we think that running around and being free is great. But really, really what we all need is real structure. And when we have real structure, that's when we're happy. And what's fascinating is really this is what was happening to the Jewish people in the desert. Yes, we had whatever the structure of the desert was, but we were itching to get to the structure of a regular life. We wanted to be structured. We wanted to to have what people call normal, right? the new normal. That's really what we were looking for. We're looking for that normal, and God says, okay, you're going to have that normal, but you got to know what comes along with that normal. But we, of course, are at the end of the school year. So it's true, we love structure, and structure's important. But now is the time a little bit to chill out, to not be so structured, to enjoy the summer, let the kids be unstructured. It'll be good for everybody, and the music is playing. And I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Anyways, thank you for to everyone the sponsors and listeners. You know I can't do it without you. Thank you to my other production team, David and Kelsey. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Jacobs, Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Tour and streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it.